Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we're discussing the epitome of a politician. <laughs> um, what everybody thinks of when they think of a sleazy politician. <laughs> Mr. Cornelius Fudge and a few other ministers. <laughs> Yay. But it's mostly about Fudge. Yeah. I I don't know if like this ep- <laughs> All right, let me like rephrase that. I think that there are a lot of like very interesting things to talk about with Fudge, but I think that they work better for the most part in like chapter episodes. Mm-hmm. So I think like some of the chapters that he really like shines in would be really fun to um do like chapter rereads of. Yeah. Like I know we already did the other minister and like that's one of my favorite chapters and that's a really like fudge heavy chapter um but some in like order of the phoenix yeah and i'm thinking of cool. the one at the end of goblet of fire oh, when yeah. dumbledore like tells him what he needs to do and he's yeah. just like uh nah that would be like a great episode to do maybe we could do that one for like um just a normal up yeah normal episode um our patron of the episode is miss leia Thank you so much for your undying support undying. since the beginning. Oh, also, just because um, this is like semi an announcement, and so I think it should go in the announcement section, we are nearing our 50,000 download mark um, wow. as a podcast. So I just wanted to like thank everybody for ever- who who has ever like downloaded one of our episodes and if you're listening to this then you are one of those people um so we really appreciate it yeah we're at like 48.1 thousand wow. so we're so, getting close like, to very that. soon yeah probably by the end of a year yeah yes for sure Clo- yeah wow yeah. All right. Um, and then just because we haven't mentioned this at the beginning of an, of an episode in a while, and I was going to do it for our patron episode, but I realized that probably wasn't the best idea because they probably have all left us um, reviews. But if you haven't left us a review on Apple Podcasts, that literally means the world to us. Even if you just like quickly press five stars, that really helps our podcast grow it helps it get seen it helps it show up higher on like searches on apple Podcasts. so really that's like the easiest way that number one you can make audrey nice day and help <laughs> grow wizard studies so if you haven't already please 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 leave us a review yeah we really appreciate it yeah all right so we're gonna start with fudge's fact file i feel like we haven't done a fact file in so long i feel like yeah, it probably honestly, hasn't been that long but yeah. it feels like it's it been feels, a long time like when i was doing the uh mbti it was oh, like yeah. when was the last time i did this like i have no idea was the last time we did it lucius and narcissa was that our last like character episode I guess so. I don't think that was actually that long ago. Yeah, it was. Wait, I have it up. I mean, it was... That was August. August. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't in September. Yeah. So, it's um, kind of a while ago. So, Fudge's full name is Cornelius Oswald Fudge, Order of Merlin First Class. Just tack that on there. <laughs> um, so, there's a lot with um, the etymology, so bear with me as I try to get through these in a way that makes sense to both me and people who are listening to me speak. So... <laughs> Cornelius is an old Roman clan's name, possibly related to the Latin word cornu, which means horn, um, so like related to like cornucopia, mm-hmm. and it's a name of an early Christian saint with the ma- with a medieval cult in the lower countries, okay. so I could buy cult leader vibes from Fudge. <laughs> um, Oswald is of old germanic origin and means godly rule or power of god wow so that a lot of god and a lot of saints yeah um so it comes from the anglo-saxon os which means god in a polytheistic context Mm -hmm. so like not in a monotheistic context so like lowercase g because there's multiple Mm -hmm. um and then wield or which means rule um so yeah, so this is definitely a reference to his political power, his ambition, his like greed for power. Um, the name Oswald also has had some negative connotations since you the 1930s. That. <laughs> due some to, good ones. <laughs> due to a British fascist leader, Sir Oswald Mosley, who was also an ally of Hitler, as well as Lee Harvey Oswald, who was... Um, the assassin that killed depending on who you ask depending on who you ask (laughs) he was the assassin that killed Lee Harvey Oswald actually JFK shooting conspiracy theories are like one of some of my favorite conspiracy theories no just like Kennedy family conspiracy Mm, theories they're Mm. good yeah I got really into them for a little bit Kennedy family is basically like was the royal family of the United States and the royal family conspiracy theories and like England are also some of my favorites. <laughs> so there's a connection there. Um, so yeah, both of these can lead to or can allude to his power and how possibly he used that power in the wizarding world. And then fudge. Um, so like obviously fudge is like a real word. <laughs> means a couple different things in like the English language. So there's obviously like the candy, the fudge. But fudge is also a verb um, in like the sense that you can like mm-hmm. fake something. So you can like fudge your credentials. So like it means to alter something from its true state as to hide a flaw or uncert- uncertainty. It's always deliberate, but not necessarily dishonest or immoral. So I think that really encapsulates Fudge in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, he definitely sees the world and sees how things should be in very like black and white terms through his own lens. And I don't, we can maybe talk, get into this discussion later, but I don't know if he ever did anything with like super malicious intent. Mm -hmm. It was just the things that he did or didn't do led to bad outcomes. Yeah. Mostly Um, inaction. Yeah. Yeah. And then fudge, besides being a toffee-like convention confection can also mean nonsense kind of related mm-hmm. to that like faking thing um and this meeting or originated from pr- 
probably around 18th century sailors. It's derived from a merchant, Captain Fudge, who was renowned as a teller of tall tales. Huh. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, and it's just kind of a different take on that same definition, like to perform in an incomplete or marginally acceptable way. The, I love this etymology because, like, all three of the names, actually... I feel like, okay, I feel like in Harry Potter, a lot of the names are, like, the etymologies are really obvious, like Remus Lupin, mm-hmm. or Sirius Black, or, you know, or they're, like, they're, like, a reference to, like, something, like, in mythology, or that kind of stuff, like, uh, Tr- Sybil Trelawney, mm-hmm. um, but, like, this one... Honestly, like, I just off the top of my head, like, this might be one of my favorite etymologies based on, like, what you just told me. Because I feel like the obvious thing is, like, you always just think of fudge, right? It's, like, that's the obvious part. You think of, like, you know, kind of faking something, falsifying something. But I think when you look at the whole name together, you're like, okay, Cornelius, the meaning not so much, but just kind of, like, it just has this very, like kind of like regal sounding you know like very proper like cornelius you know Mm -hmm. and then oswald it has the godly rule thing but i think the more important part of it is like these sinister historical figures Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like his sinister side and then fudge is obviously like um you know of what you said about like not necessarily being malicious but just like immoral yeah and so i think like the three names together really encapsulate like how he wants to present himself maybe the parts of himself that he hides and then like his incompetency yeah definitely i think it's uh like i said it was a lot and i don't know if i like laid it out in the most eloquent ways (laughs) um but i i think that it's really interesting and yeah fudge is definitely like the obvious one but oswald is also something that's really interesting to me because i'm pretty sure like his middle name isn't uttered that many times but obviously Mm -hmm. in like some like i assume at the hearing it was probably Mm -hmm. said then and like probably just at some more like other official occasions um but how well even the middle name ties in i think is really cool yeah and i like that it's like historical yeah you know? like it yeah. calls on like things in real life yeah and i also sorry just one more thing i also like how how plausible the names are uh-huh. too it's not like they're like yeah. wild crazy names um they like also like cornelius fudge is maybe like a, not a super like normal common name but it, like something about it it's doesn't believable make it yeah. yeah like it's not like all right you tried really hard to squeeze that in there you know <laughs> yeah like malfoy <laughs> yeah or like um i always kind of come back to the like i am lord voldemort like tom marvolo riddle like i i think that it voldemort is one of those like really weird things that like almost was forced but because like that's just become so iconic nobody mm. really thinks about that anymore because yeah. like oh Voldemort's Voldemort you know or sorry Marvolo the flip side of that like having Marvolo as a middle name is like all right you just oh to yeah, do something yeah with the leftover yeah. letters okay so Fudge's birthday all we know is that it's before 1964 um, because he was a junior minister, um, 
in the Department of Magical Accidents and Catastrophes in 1981, or by 1981. So he would have to, like, the youngest he possibly could have been to be working that job would be 17, having graduated Hogwarts. So likely he's much older than that, but all we really know for sure is, like, he before 1964. Um, so we do know that he is married to, I guess, a woman then if they're referred to as Mrs. Fudge. Um, and really the only thing that we could guess is that she's probably a half-blood or a pure-blood just because he does kind of seem oh, like Oh, I a, meant he was presumed either half-blood. Oh, oh, sorry. Well, I think either way. Yeah. Like, he, I don't know if he would have married a muggle-born. He seems kind of, like, undercover... Yeah. ...racist. <laughs> Which I feel like sometimes politicians, like... Like, I'm not surprised from politicians because yeah. they have to, like, hide that normally to, like, the public. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, he's also presumed to be um, either half-blood or pure-blood. Just because I feel like the fact that he would be muggle-born would, like, either affect his relationship with the Malfoys or, like, would just be, like, a bigger deal in general. Yeah. And we probably would have heard it if it he was He also, case. like, kind of, I think there are times when he implies that, like, yeah muggle-born students are less capable yeah also with his undercover racism that i was talking about probably not (laughs) muggle-born then yeah (laughs) um okay and then just the last thing on the fact files we don't have a lot on the on him but um occupations like i said he was the junior minister of the department of magical accidents and catastrophes and we do know that he also obviously was Minister for Magic from 1990 to 1996. Presumably there was like a promotion in between those. <laughs> um, and we don't know if like Junior Minister was his first job. Um, and I don't think we know what he did after, but maybe Katie will tell us more about that on the Where Are They Now. Um, but those are the two titles we know that he has held. So I looked up his first mention online and it does say that he was mentioned in Sorcerer's Stone, Yeah. but we don't like meet him. Um, do you know what the context of the mention was? Hmm. Like, I assume it was just kind of like our minister for magic, Cornelius Fudge. Yeah. Like maybe like, like Hagrid I have to, like, said send something an owl to Fudge or, I don't or know. like maybe Hagrid said something when he was like telling Harry about the wizarding world um so i couldn't find i was not going to scour the first book because i really had no idea where to start (laughs) to find that and plus like we don't meet him in that mention anyways so the first time we meet him is in chamber of secrets and i'll read from that excerpt it happens in the chapter entitled cornelius fudge So that was really easy for me to find. I would love it if all chapter mentions were that easy. It was Dumbledore. He entered looking deadly serious and was followed by a second very odd looking man. The stranger was a short portly man with rumpled gray hair and an anxious expression. He was wearing a strange mixture of clothes, a pinstripe suit, a scarlet tie, a long black cloak, pointed purple boots. Under his arm, he carried a lime green bowler. That's Dad's boss, Ron breathed. Cornelius Fudge, the minister for magic. Harry elbowed Ron hard to make him shut up. 
So this is when Dumbledore and Fudge come to Hagrid's hut in Chamber of Secrets to take him away to ask Ban after the chamber has been reopened and they place the blame on Hagrid since he was the one that was blamed um, for it opening the first time. And keynote is that he has a lime green bowler. Yes, not a black one. (laughs) Which just like adds this like... I don't know. I feel like it makes him seem so much less, like, I know that, like, lime green is, like, the evil color, but, yeah. like, imagining, like, a politician wearing a lime green bowler hat is, like, kind of funny, and so I feel like it makes him, like, less sinister. Yeah. I feel like the bowler hat is an allusion to Winston Churchill. Mm. Um, I don't know if, like, it's actually a thing that Winston Churchill wore bowler hats, but I feel like whenever I see, like, depictions of him... He has a bowler hat. Am I making that up? Am I just picturing like um, the Monopoly Man or something? (laughs) He wears a top hat. (laughs) No, he definitely wore a bowler hat. Oh, okay. Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a bowler hat. Yeah. (laughs) Just like the round one. Yeah, there are some photos of him with more of like it's like more a little bit more square maybe more top hat like um i think it i think it maybe is a wait impressive hats featured large in churchill's life um (laughs) he popularized the belker hat this sits somewhere between a bowler hat and a homburg oh don't know what a homburg hat is but so it's not quite a bowler it's related to a bowler hat (laughs) He looks so angry in all of these photos. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. I think that's a fine illusion. <laughs> I buy it. Well, I feel like pinstripe suits, is that also a thing? Yeah. Sure. I feel like that was just like the style back then. Yeah, I feel like he's just so like So I think he's trying to like, to, like epitomize this like... Uh, that like era of politics. I assume we know who was minister for magic when. Um. Churchill yeah, was. it was in that list. I don't know if I copied it over to talk about later, but there was something mentioned in the list. Um. About. Uh, a minister who was like friends with. Leonard Churchill. Spencer Moon. Oh, there you go foresaw a period of international wizarding and muggle conflict or enjoyed a good working relationship with winston churchill oh my gosh i feel like so i watched the crown the crown is a great show i I recommend it to everybody Um, but i was just thinking of margaret thatcher (laughs) meeting a minister for oh my god that would be a good little short story (laughs) that would be a great fanfic if somebody wants to like write that when was she like the 80s i don't know when when did she start like 81 well somebody was 80 to 90 millicent bagnold so the one before fudge uh she became minister in 79 yeah so basically millicent bagnold with a little bit of harold minchum okay well then so like for the 80s like it was two women yeah that's awesome (laughs) i mean 
Margaret Thatcher. Maybe not, maybe not Margaret Thatcher. Like, do power to her, but. But I mean, hey, two women. That's okay. still a fact. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Fudge is Myers Briggs personality type. Um, what? So, I went a little controversial. Oh, basically this isn't me. the whole internet the whole internet gives it the one you had gives oh. him ESFJ um but just cuz that's like the popular one and they probably just did it cuz he's like that, a politician yeah, that's like the one about like being popular and like i i i read through that one and like i couldn't pick up it, like i couldn't pick out anything like that i could specifically apply i had a hard time with this um, so I did choose ENFP, which is the campaigner. It's the same personality type as Ron, Tonks, Dean, Dobby, and Bill. So you'll, you're probably like, what? Those are all good people. And they are. Um, and I feel like those people embody like the like good heartwarming side um, of this personality type because the type is a lot about like being super caring and connecting with others and like forming relationships. And Fudge is like... <laughs> not that <laughs> um i feel like Pudge is kind of it's always difficult when we have these like deeply flawed like kind of evil characters to type them because like on the internet like i don't know when like people real life people take these personality tests they're not gonna get something that's like you're a villain yeah. um but i think i think this one fits fudge the best out of any and there's, like, really one main reason why I chose it, which I will get to. And some of the other stuff is a little bit forced. But once I get to that reason, you're going to get it. <laughs> I'm going to be sold. You're going to be sold. Um, okay, so friendly and outgoing, campaigners are devoted to enriching their relationships and their social lives. But beneath their sociable, easygoing exteriors, they have rich, vibrant inner lives as well. Um, he's definitely like social, you know, kind of like schmoozing people. And I feel like he like tries to appear to be easygoing. You know, he's always like, oh, ha, ha, Dumbledore. Like, I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know, how he's kind of like that. <laughs> I think I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, like in the earlier books when like think shit hasn't hit the fan. <laughs> um, so when something sparks their imagination, campaigners can show an enthusiasm that is nothing short of infectious. These personalities radiate a positive energy that draws in other people, and campaigners may find themselves being held up by their peers as a leader or guru. But once the initial bloom of inspiration wears off, campaigners can struggle with self-discipline and consistency, losing steam on projects that once meant so much to them. Um, I liked that it was like, you know, he presumably was enthusiastic when he first became minister. Like, there is a reason that he became minister. There's a reason people voted for him. We don't really know what that is. But he was chosen to be a leader. Um, and obviously, like, when the going got tough, he lost steam and just kind of backed into a hole and didn't do anything and didn't step up as a leader. Um, so I feel like that kind of shows that, like, when faced with, like, difficulty or like no longer having everyone on your side he just kind of crumbled um people with this personality type need to be careful however campaigners intuition may lead them to read 
far too much into other people's actions and behaviors. Instead of simply asking for an explanation, campaigners may end up puzzling over someone else's desires or intentions. This kind of social stress is what keeps harmony-focused campaigners awake at night. This is the reason. <laughs> Literally, his most defining like personality feature, besides being like politician, is his relationship with Dumbledore and like everything that's caught up in that and his insecurities from thinking that Dumbledore is coming from his job and all of this is because he's reading way too far into Dumbledore trying to take some sort of action against Voldemort. Everything Dumbledore does Fudge thinks is like an action against him. He's like too insecure to see that Dumbledore is trying to like rectify the situation at hand and not undermine him. He thinks that Dumbledore is like... Yeah, he thinks that Dumbledore... He's reading too far in and he thinks it's all about him. He thinks Dumbledore's coming for his job. When Dumbledore is just trying to like save the world. Um, so... <laughs> I think like that comes a lot with like the insecurities of this personality type. The overthinking things. And I think like... If we think about the other characters. Like... I think this description in like a less extreme way really fits Ron well. Like, Ron is constantly thinking that, like, things that Harry does and things that Hermione does are, like, about him, you know? Like, the whole, like, him leaving in Seven. Like, he reads into them just, like, getting excited about, like, solving <laughs> Horcruxes. I don't even know why he leaves. Um, and, like, he's he's... He's just, like, making things about himself that aren't about himself. And I feel like... Yeah. That was Fudge's flaw with the way he dealt with Voldemort's return. Um, I like that. Yeah. So that's my big psychoanalysis. <laughs> so campaigners will spend a lot of time exploring different relationships, feelings, and ideas before they find a path for their lives that feels right. But when they finally do find their way, their imagination, empathy, and courage can light up not only their own lives, but also the world around them. I included this paragraph just to say that, like, you know, we really saw Fudge struggle, and I don't think that being minister was the right job for him. <laughs> and maybe, just maybe, he found something that was a better fit afterwards, and uh, he lit up not only his own life, but the world around him. <laughs> um, so as far as strengths, we have curious, perceptive, enthusiastic, excellent communicators, festive and good natured <laughs> festive um, that's like so weird it's a weird strength <laughs> also speaking of festive what is wrong with gen z and their refusal to watch hocus pocus i've been trying to get the kids to watch hocus pocus for like two weeks now Wait. and they're like absolutely not is that a broader thing or is it's just like your school i don't know mm. I, because I haven't heard that. I don't know if you're. Maybe it's just like rich white kids in Connecticut that will watch. <laughs> come on, like it takes place in New England. It's yeah. like, come on. <laughs> anyway, okay. they're um, like, you can watch it by yourself if you want to watch it that bad. I'm like, okay. <laughs> did you? No, I haven't yet. I keep on forgetting. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I definitely, as far as going back to Fudge, I definitely think he's enthusiastic. Mm hmm And, like, he might be good-natured. 
he is not malicious, but he's not necessarily good natured. Yeah, I he's feel just like kind of dumb. <laughs> I oh my gosh, where did I see this? And I'm gonna like completely incorrectly pour like convey this information. But I'm pretty sure I, like, read something somewhere that was talking about, like, the morality of people and the morality of, like, characters. And that, like, somebody can be moral, but not, like, in a good sense, you know? Like, they're sticking to their Oh, their morals. own personal morals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like Fudge is a really, really good example of that. Where, like, he thought he was doing the right thing in every situation. He was just, like, too blinded by his own perception and his own, like, point of view to take into consideration other people's. And I think that's something in particular in at least, like, End of Goblet of Fire mm-hmm. was I feel like some of the arguments he had with Dumbledore like weren't even that bad argument bad of arguments you know like being the leader of a country like to put that country in like a state of chaos mm-hmm. and like I understand it's not a country but like he's the leader of a large group of yeah, people no, that yeah. could be equated to a country yeah, right certainly. to put that like country in that community in this like place of chaos and like um like stress and anxiety over the word of like one 14 year old is a lot Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I do think that to come into that situation with skepticism was not the wrong decision I do think the wrong decision was when he destroyed the evidence yeah I was gonna say like (laughs) decisions he made post that and especially in retaliation of that in order of the phoenix i don't agree with but sometimes i think like the point of view in which he came at like that particular kind of like conversation and Uh. those arguments i think are fair to be honest and i do think that like that argument shows me that he has like the greater good in mind you know Mm. and we see time and time again in this series that like this um tug of war between like the greater good and like the good of few people Mm -hmm. um and so just like seeing that kind of conflict play out in him as well is interesting yeah no i think that's a good point and i think like i think you're not wrong I think it's easy to see it as like he's such an idiot. He because like just we obviously as readers know. like experience Voldemort yeah. coming back. Like right. we know. Like we know. Um, yeah. And that's I mean, called dramatic yeah. irony, kids. Yeah. He didn't have to do everything, don't. But like the thing is, he didn't have to do everything Dumbledore said. But he could have done yeah. something. Yeah. So and like, he could have like he and then he like proceeded to kind of like keep this. And he made like, it worst yeah to keep the like perception in his mind that everything was fine yeah he ignored so much later yeah. until it was until it was too late yeah yeah and he i think just like been skeptical not yeah like, denying yeah and i think that i do think that he realizes that that like the two ministers chapter in half-blood prince i think he is pretty i don't know if like regretful is the right word but like he understands that like he fucked up you know So, I do think that Fudge 
the little that we do see of him is very like dynamic. Uh-huh. Um, he's just interesting. Yeah. Um. And so then, as far as weaknesses, which this actually I feel like kind of fits with some of what you were just saying. So we have people pleasing, which I certainly agree with. He was busy pleasing the people who were, you know, lining his pockets with cash. Um, Unfocused. Maybe some of his response was a bit unfocused. Um, Disorganized. Overly accommodating. Overly accommodating, I think, applies to uh, similarly to people pleasing, like accommodating people like Lucius Malfoy and what they want the ministry to do. Um, Overly optimistic, which you could say that like his state of denial was like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. When like at a certain point you have to say, everything is not fine. We need to do something about it. Yeah. Um, And then restless, which I don't really know how that applies, but I think the weaknesses fit. Um, better than the strengths which is usually the case when we have like a a flawed character and we're I mean all the characters are flawed but I feel like the weaknesses of these personality types often like kind of hit home a little bit more than the strengths Um, yeah especially with characters that we don't love (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so next we're gonna do a little Hogwarts house discussion because in canon we don't know what house fudge is in um there honestly i was looking at like a cora thread and there was a lot of different like hufflepuff was definitely brought up the least (laughs) but like with slytherin ravenclaw and gryffindor i saw like probably a couple posts for each of them so i don't even know if like that specific like the internet i think is probably in consensus about slytherin um but like that specific cora thread was not in consensus consensus wow so I'm going to start with Slytherin because I think I have the most to say about that, that one. So he's ambitious enough to become a politician. I feel like that takes yeah, you have to be ambitious. some ambition. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's also power hungry enough to be a politician. I think that like to be a politician, you also have to have some like power hungriness in you. I really don't think that many, if any, politicians go into it for like I just want to make the world a better place. Like, maybe that's where they start. Um, but, like, there are other ways you can make the world a better place without, like, making it all about you. Yeah. Anyways, so I do think that, like, as well as not only, like, him being a, pol- a politician tells me he's power hungry, but, like, also his his personality and some of the decisions he makes. He does everything to keep that power. Yeah. Um. He did whatever he, like I, my next note is he did whatever he could to stay in power, even if that meant leaving the wizarding world in a vulnerable, a vulnerable enough state um, for it to be easily taken over by Voldemort. Mm-hmm. He, like, to the day that he was removed, he was like, everything is fine. Um, I'm going to make everything fine because I need people to love me and I need people to think I'm doing a great job and I need to stay in this position. And then Voldemort might have said it, or Dumbledore might have said it best. There's a <laughs> quote where he's talking about Fudge where he says he's blinded by his love of power. Mm. I think that's a really good encapsulation of who he is. And, like, I think one of the, like, things in support of that is, like, it was his, his or in support of Slytherin, it's like, it was his love of power 
just to have power. Like, he didn't do anything with his power. Like, he didn't want to stay in power because he thought he could best do the best serve. Job. Yeah. yeah. The Wizarding World. Like, I think it was, like, power for the sake of power. Which, yeah. like, I feel like is... I feel like you can only put that in Slytherin. But yeah. Not saying that, like, Slytherins... Not, some Slytherins don't want to use their power for good, but I think, like, out of all the houses, someone who's just obsessed with power just to have it and just to say they have it and just to know they have it like that has to be a slytherin sorry yeah <laughs> oh, okay we already know audrey's um feelings about that um i think power is something that i mean we see that kind of touched on a little bit throughout the series specifically with like dumbledore um i think power is like a very powerful thing mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever i think of power i think of like the um, sanford prison experiments mm. um and even like <laughs> this might make me sound like a terrible person but since i've started this new job and like kind of being in charge of kids and like having some sort of like power and authority i've like caught myself kind of just like saying no to the kids when they ask me to do things just like for the sake of saying no (laughs) sometimes and to just kind of like assert my power and I'm not saying like honestly I don't think that's a bad thing because like that's part of like I can't always say yes to the kids like Mm -hmm. even if I would be fine doing that like sometimes I do just kind of have to like exercise that power to be like nope sorry I'm in charge we're not doing that today (laughs) so I definitely like gotten a little drunk with power over here (laughs) um but no it's just like a really interesting thing and I it would be really really interesting for me to like see fudge pre prime minister like pre him being prime minister um to kind of see what he was like then and if like Mm. the power like what's that quote like absolute power corrupts absolutely Mm -hmm. like I wonder how much he was corrupted I mean, if at all, by mm. being the minister for minister of magic. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, another argument for him being in Slytherin, he is shown within the series to have prejudices, explicitly said in the series or shown in the series as having prejudices at against at least partial tongues and half giants. Partial tongues. Yeah, that's a- like if. He, because he like mentions Harry's like, know, and the boy can speak parcel tongue. I know, but that might be. He wouldn't he be in awe of that if he was a Slytherin? I don't think so. I think just being prejudiced in general is a Slytherin <laughs> trait. Okay. <laughs> um, and he uses other people as pawns, um, or at least tries to with Harry. Mm-hmm. So yeah. again, that's kind of like using anything to stay in power and i i don't get into this later but maybe i should have but his relationship with the umbridge i think is really interesting um because i mean you can argue both ways that like you could argue obviously i think it's pretty clear that like she was using him um to like just get him to co-sign all the things that she wanted to do so that she would have more power but I think also, like, he was taking advantage of her, and he was taking advantage of, like, her prejudices and her, like, let's say immoral tendencies um, to, like, further serve him and his, uh, like, (laughs) 
crusade against Dumbledore, you know? Like, yeah. he was using these, like, deep hate, deep hates that she has um, to, like, get her to, to, like, use her as a weapon, basically. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't really have anything for him being cunning, but, like, that sounds pretty cunning to me. Yeah. But um, I feel like you, the like, I feel like that's a different take on it, because I feel like you usually read it as, like, she's him. using him. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, he's I mean, kind of bumbling, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, even with that argument of, like, that particular thing being cunning, I don't see him, like, overall as no, being, like, super no. cunning. Um and resourceful like maybe somewhat um and those are kind of always big slytherin traits Mm -hmm. um but definitely the ambition is like the big yeah thing for not only like the house discussion but like honestly for him in general yeah i also think like we don't we don't know how he kind of came to be minister so i don't know like there could be something well some cunning in there wasn't there, like, um, something in the Quibbler that, like, accused him of, like, poisoning people? Oh, the the Quibbler has things about, like, goblin. He, like, there, he led a goblin genocide. Yeah, and I think there's, like, something about, like, there was, like, a headline or something that was, like, basically insinuating, like, what did he do to get here? <laughs> was there, like, bodies that he left behind? Like, obviously, we don't the quibbler might not (laughs) we might not be able to take it at its word but just saying um i was there was there also like speculation that he was a vampire yes so you know um so for ravenclaw like theoretically he would probably be pretty smart being that high up in government i mean Hopefully, (laughs) he was in charge of running the wizarding world, so hopefully he was, like, somewhat smart and knowledgeable. Um, And I think, like, kind of tying in, I think ambition is something that could very easily, like, transition into Ravenclaw traits. Mm -hmm. You know, like, he did strive for success, and, like, striving for success, I think, is definitely a Ravenclaw trait, which, like, striving for success is like almost a synonym of ambition i do think that like maybe sometimes the connotation of those two different words are different Mm -hmm. um and he did whatever he could to succeed i think that's also could be a ravenclaw trait in some ways it is very slytherin but i think it could also be a ravenclaw trait um so yeah those were kind of the arguments i had for ravenclaw against ravenclaw he's not super like open-minded i don't think he's like very creative and free thinking (laughs) um so i don't know maybe his lime green bowler bowler hat is a like a not uh he's a little bit more i don't know what's what's the word i'm looking for like colorful i guess okay Um, so for Gryffindor, I basically have arguments as why for why he's not a Gryffindor. There was some arguments. Let me see if I can pull up this Korra thread again. Give me one second. Okay. I knew I wanted to say something for Gryffindor. So somebody's argument on the Korra thread was that if we take the information that like houses are a representation of what you admire the most um 
then that could lead to him maybe being in Gryffindor. Like he did look up to courageous people um, in both like Dumbledore and Harry. And like he actively was opposed to the dark arts, um, whatever other things like that led to him basically handing over the wizarding world to Voldemort he was not like on board with that Mm. um and he he like really was not about that life (laughs) so that could maybe be more of an argument against Slytherin than for um Gryffindor but like what the person on Cora is saying is that like he admired like courage in other people he just wasn't able to be courageous himself yeah um and then for hufflepuff theoretically he should be a hard worker due to like (laughs) the tough job that he has um somebody on here i like i don't want to like call out this person but i just like really don't (laughs) agree with this (laughs) um so they're making the argument that he could be a Hufflepuff because he's so loyal to like his own ideas and like his own morals. But I don't think that's what like loyalty in a Hufflepuff sense no. means. <laughs> like being loyal to yourself, I feel like is inherently like a Slytherin trait. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. That just like I didn't really buy that. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> that at all. Yeah, a lot of people were between like Ravenclaw and Slytherin or Gryffindor and Slytherin. Um, a lot of people bring up for, or a lot of people bring up against Slytherin due to like his hatred of the dark arts. Um, and a lot of people bring up like really the most common positive for Gryffindor is kind of what I was saying about the like admiration of those traits. And maybe not him himself embodying those traits. So I feel like Slytherin is definitely the obvious one. <laughs> and I think that it probably is the most likely. I just personally kind of have a hard time like seeing Fudge in, in Slytherin. Slytherin House. Yeah, me too. Um, so that's like really the my only hesitance about that. Yeah. I, I even have a hard time picking a second house because I feel like Ravenclaw makes more sense on paper yeah. than Gryffindor does, but I see I don't see him in Ravenclaw either. I see him. I think when I like try to picture, I see him in Gryffindor as like yeah because of the like admire and I think like he would like the idea of being yeah. in Gryffindor because it's like the good guy house. But like based on all of his characteristics, like I firmly believe he was a Slytherin. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. So I'm just going to kind of run through some of the stuff he did or didn't do um, (laughs) as minister. Uh, A lot of this we've kind of already talked about, so I'll go fairly quickly. Um, So he became minister in 1990, and he was far from, like, the first choice or the most obvious candidate for the job. Um, Obviously, like, for many years now, Dumbledore had been the top candidate, but... As always, he didn't want the position. Um, Crouch Sr. was seen kind of like coming into this election, like everyone thought, or coming in the previous term, everyone thought that he was going to be one of the top candidates. Um, But obviously we know he fell out of favor following his son's trial. So Fudge got the job. And I mean, his insecurities about Dumbledore and Crouch kind of affected him 
throughout his tenure. Um, I read that like he was because we always talk about insecurity insecurities about Dumbledore, but because he was also pretty insecure about Crouch and like he's the one that transferred um, Crouch to the Department of Magical Cooperation apparently um, because. Is that what it's called? Magical intern. I think it's international inter- magical cooperation. Yeah. Um, because that was kind of like a less powerful thing, and he felt threatened by Fudge. I don't know how, if what the source is on that, but or F- Fudge felt threatened by Crouch. Um, so thought that was interesting. Hmm. Um, early on, he was always asking Dumbledore for advice, always writing him. Um, at some point, he awarded himself Order of Merlin First Class. Yeah. It's unclear for what <laughs> um, I, or how he got away with that. Do you think that, like, all ministers, like, could just get Order of Merlin First Classes? Like, I don't know. I feel like you have to get it, like, post your term. Like, if the next minister uh, yeah, is true. like, you did a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Sure. Um... And so we know his whole time as minister, he was, like, basically in the pockets of Malfoy and others with money. Um, In Chamber of Secrets, he had Hagrid taken to Azkaban, um, kind of at the insistence of the Board of Governors, and he allowed Malfoy to remove Dumbledore from the school. Um, And then this is kind of continued in third year. Um, He, like, came to... He came to Hogwarts to oversee Buckbeak's execution, which is unclear why beyond just, like, it was something that Malfoy wanted, so he was there. Like, there's no reason why the minister should be there. Um, Apparently, it was, like, under the guise of, like, he was also checking on, like, the Dementor situation at the school, but, like, that just really shows that, like, to me, that he was... Malfoy wanted him there as, like, a symbol of, like, power, and so, like, he was there because Malfoy wanted him there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in, in Harry's third year, we also know he placed a mentors around the school. Um, and he refused to believe the trio about Peter Pettigrew and was going to give Snape an order of Merlin, either first or second class, I think, for catching Black. But obviously, that all came tumbling down. <laughs> um... Not the first time he refused to believe Harry and Co. Uh, or not the last time, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's also not the first time. Yes. <laughs> um, in fourth year, uh, he obviously um, he refused to believe the ramblings of Crouch Senior before his death um, about Voldemort's return or something fishy going on and he accused Madame Maxime of killing Crouch Senior um, which is where we see some of his bigotry coming through um, and he his <laughs> this is like his shining moment was his response to the Barty Crouch Jr. reveal and the Voldemort return um when he was told that the demen- the Death Eater who was responsible for Voldemort's return uh, was in captivity, he felt that he needed protection, so he summoned a Dementor. He's really obsessed with Dementors. Um, and upon seeing Crouch Jr., that Dementor immediately sucked his soul out, because obviously he was an Azkaban escapee. <laughs> and the evidence was completely lost. 
And then after that, things really spiraled for Mr. Fudge. He refused to believe that Voldemort had returned. Um, he thought Harry was delusional because he had been reading Rita's articles. Um, and he just assumed Dumbledore was taking Harry's side because Dumbledore was out for his job and wanted to make him look like a fool for um, taking all these precautions because obviously Voldemort was dead and never to return. Um, and Dumbledore pretty much told him exactly what he needed to do and Fudge didn't do any of it. Um, and we see like each of those things play a role in Voldemort's rise to power. Like one of the first things Dumbledore said was, you need to replace the guards at Azkaban. They can't be Dementors. And Fudge was like, nah. And then... Absolutely not. <laughs> break out and... Uh, Voldemort gets all the Dementors on his side. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, and then he goes even a step further of just like ignoring. And this is where like things get a little malicious. Um, and he starts a disinformation and slander campaign on Harry and Dumbledore. Um... I feel like Fudge, like, originated fake news. Uh, <laughs> he threatened to dismiss anyone in league with Dumbledore from the ministry, so a lot of people in the ministry were afraid to show allegiance to Dumbledore. He tried to get Harry expelled. Um, like I was talking about earlier, he used Umbridge at Hogwarts to try to undermine Dumbledore further. He remained in league with Malfoy and other ex-Death Eaters. And then he did have Dumbledore removed from Hogwarts. And then he finally saw the light, and the light was Voldemort in the flesh in the ministry. And this was his real downfall. He was forced to step down um, in July of 1996 because I mean, Voldemort literally made an appearance at the ministry. Like, there wasn't much denying it. And then, like, at that point, it was kind of like, oh, you could have done something about this all this time. Yeah. Um, and so to me, like, kind of just in some of, like, looking at his career as minister it's really mind-boggling to me how like his own personal insecurities and kind of like lack of like principles I don't know if that's the right word for it but like refusal to like take advice from Dumbledore or like um and then choice to then like slander Harry and Dumbledore like how that, those actions and inactions were so detrimental to, like, the entire wizarding world. Like, having him in power was basically just as good for Voldemort as when Voldemort, like, had a puppet as the minister. Like, Fudge just, like, did everything that Voldemort could have wanted him to do. Um, and it just, like, it feels like it's very revealing that, like, incompetence can be just as bad and just as, like, detrimental as someone who is actively malicious um or like actively quote-unquote evil in a position of power like incompetence really does like it's not like a neutral you know like he he wasn't like an evil person but like his actions had evil consequences um and he surrounded himself with people who he felt would give him more clout and help him prove himself as better than Dumbledore um because of that like that's why he kept Malfoy and those so close and he was constantly paranoid and thus did not trust anything that Dumbledore who like could have been one of his best advisors or like his best advisor um said so like it was just like those insecurities were so I don't know so meaningful in like the way things played out yeah so kind of crazy man oh man um 
So I got a new laptop not that long ago. So I got, I lost all of my Harry Potter stickers I had on my old laptop. But my favorite Harry Potter sticker I had was a sticker that said Impeach Cornelius Fudge. <laughs> Just like, oh my God, I loved it so much. Shout out like to the Red Bubble artist that designed that. <laughs> um, so moving on to the where are they now section, we know like absolutely nothing about not even like where Fudge is post seven. But, like, honestly, the last thing we ever hear about Fudge is that he shows up to Dumbledore's funeral at the Mm -hmm. end of six. But not only, like, after that do we not see him, like, throughout six, we don't really see him either. Like, he's he's basically in, like, the last chapter of Half-Blood Prince and the first (laughs) chapter of Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. Um... But after that, like, we don't know anything. Like, I assume he probably... We know that he kind of stayed on with the Yeah, I was going to say, I could really see it going either way. Because, like, so throughout Six, he did have a position as kind of, like, liaison to the muggle prime minister because there was just like so much going on they were going to be in so much like more contact with him than they have had ever been before and he already had a relationship i think it was also to kind of like appease fudge like all right like step over there like slowly like or like quietly just you're no longer prime minister here's this thing that you can have if you like cooperate you know so after that i could really see it going either way like i could see him kind of just kind of like hanging around the ministry either like as a liaison to the muggle prime minister or just kind of like lower level like advisor almost positions or i could see him just kind of like leaving you know like i i feel like he is like pretty ambitious and we talked about how ambitious Mm. and how power hungry he is but I feel like in the state he was in that like other minister chapter in Half Blood Prince, I could see him just being like, like I just need to move on from this, you know. Yeah. Like staying around here is just gonna like make me a miserable person. Yeah. So I don't know. I could really see it going either way. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe he had, like, one of those, like, once-a-week jobs or, like, twice a week (laughs) where you kind of just, like, have a position for the sake of, like, we have to, like, keep him happy kind of thing. Yeah. Like, he's, like, he's, like, the old guy at the company that, like, doesn't really know what's going on anymore, isn't helpful, but, like, he's an old white man, so he gets to stay (laughs) as, like, part of the company. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) You You know what I mean? Like, he was, like, a CEO for a while, and to, like, keep him appeased and, like, happy... We just kind of like have him come in every once in a while as like an advisor or like he's on the board. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Yeah, I buy it. But overall, I think he his political career is done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I think that maybe even if it like wasn't done in the public side for what happened, I feel like he might be done anyways. You know, like I don't know if he would have yeah. gone back. He seemed pretty like basically like traumatized from what happened yeah like understanding the repercussions of what he caused like he seemed to like really be struggling with that yeah as he like as as like he probably should like i would be more concerned if he was like all right moving on with my life all (laughs) as well yeah 
I agree. What do we think he was up to during the battle? And, like, during the actual rise to power. Because, like, he he wasn't maybe, part of the ministry then, I doubt. Maybe you know? he just, like, was retired to, like, some home in the English countryside. And he just didn't even know what was happening until it was over. <laughs> or he knew and he was like, I'm too old for that. Like, Yeah, well, because, like, he definitely... Like, he would have had to, like, leave his position at the ministry. Because yeah. we know he had one at the beginning of six. And there's no way he still had one at the end of six. Or at the beginning of seven. Yeah, once. Yeah. No. So. So, I feel like after he was, like, kicked out or left the ministry or whatever happened, he was like, all right, I'm going to take a, take a year. Take a sabbatical. <laughs> you, you guys figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was abroad, honestly. Yeah. I could see it. All right. So, the fudge cocktail from Archie Thomas's 50 Amazing Ooh, Cocktails inspired been by back Harry Potter. In a while. Maybe we need to go through this and figure out which characters which we characters have. Which characters we need to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the ones we can't do a whole episode about, it'll just be an episode of me reading their cocktails. No, we should do whatever characters we can do. We should, we should like get together one weekend and make all of those drinks and drink them. And then do and reviews. Just, <laughs> yeah fact oh trial god. and review of cocktail that's the whole episode yeah oh my god that's actually it would be a great episode even if it's just a patron episode we, we, we should, should get do that like one progressively time. drunk just more and more drunk make a youtube video <laughs> <laughs> okay um so cornelius fudge has a chocolatini oh this is like literally i think this might be your favorite <laughs> cocktail in the book i think i might have to make this for you because okay so, um, it says, it would have been great to have made this into a fudge teeny. However, ch- the chocolate version is much more popular and the ingredients are easier to source. The key here is presentation. It should look more like a dessert than an actual drink. I will show you the picture. Perfect. <laughs> so it is one and a half part Bailey's, one part vodka, half part creme de cacao, chocolate shavings, cocoa powder on the rim, and ice. And ice. Ooh, I love a drink with ice. Ooh, look at that. Oh, and it looks like there's like chocolate syrup almost like. No. Oh, yeah, at the, the bottom. bottom. Yeah. yeah. And then there's like shavings of chocolate on top. Yeah, that looks good. I would drink that. It does seem very alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> like literally everything in there is alcoholic, <laughs> like liquid wise. Yeah. But yeah. Sounds yummy. Seems like uh, up your alley. The only th- I would put like probably whipped cream on top of it. There. <laughs> I feel like it <laughs> can use that. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of background on the Minister for Magic job. I do think we talked about this in our ministry episode. Um, and we honestly like don't have that much information about like what the job does. Or how they're elected. Um, but super quickly, we do know that they are elected democratically. Um, and we know like a very... We know that one is held at least every seven years, but it's up to the discretion of the minister <laughs> to like organize them. So I feel like they probably happen just about every seven <laughs> years. I don't know why you would organize one before then. Yeah. Um, and in times that we do, we do also know that in times of crisis, 
we had ministers have been known to like be appointed or at least offered Mm -hmm. we know dumbledore was offered the position in like a time of crisis during voldemort's first rise of power and he turned it down um what what else we know about the minister is that we know that they have a relationship with the muggle prime minister we know that um they have the muggle prime minister has nothing to do with elections of the magical or the minister for magic which i thought was like a weird quote like qualification to make i don't know why anybody would assume the muggle prime minister had anything to do with those elections um and we do know that a muggle prime minister has never stepped foot in the ministry of for magic um they do keep that like boundary just because just because the Muggle Prime Minister has a relationship with the Minister for Magic doesn't mean they're like getting a tour of the Ministry of Magic. Um, in terms of like power the Minister has, we don't really know a whole lot. Um, the One of the biggest things we see Fudge have power over is kind of like the um, overseeing of Azkaban. We see him kind of have a direct hand in that. Um we know that he was part of like the quidditch world cup um as like the leader of the host country but other than that we don't really know oh he's a head of the wizengamot as the as the minister for magic so you also are like head of the legal branch of the government so yeah, we don't know a whole lot about, like, day-to-day, but I guess I also don't know a whole lot about, like, what our president does on a day-to-day basis, so I <laughs> guess it makes sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about uh, just highlights, and there's this long list of all of the ministers and a little blurb about each um, on wizarding world and so i just kind of pulled the ones that like have a little bit of relevance to the series or i thought were kind of funny um so i ended up pulling quite a few but i'll kind of just run through them um so ulick gamp gomp gamp was the first minister ever um and served from 1707 to 1718 and he had been head of the wizengamot and then um had the onerous job of policing a fractious and frightened community adjusting to the imposition of the international statute of secrecy. And so it was, this was kind of the impetus for like making the minister a job because they felt like they needed someone with more power, um, a single person, as opposed to just the Wizengamot, um, to like enact the statute of secrecy. Um, and his greatest legacy was that he founded the department of magical law enforcement, which obviously probably like, enforced a lot of the statute of secrecy um the next one i picked out was perseus parkinson presume because presumably he was related to pansy parkinson um served 1727 1726 to 33 and um as we would expect for one of pansy's uh ancestors he attempted to pass a bill making it illegal to marry a muggle and he misread the public mood at the time which was that the wizarding community was tired of anti-muggle sentiment and wanted peace and so they voted him out at the first opportunity then we have eldritch diggory um who followed parkinson so 
another so name. So presumably we like know. crow muzzle. <laughs> yeah. So 1733 to 47, um, who was a popular minister, of course, as only Cedric's ancestor could be, um, and established the first uh, or recruitment program and then died in office of dragon pox. Dewey, is Diggory part of the Sacred 28? E- I I want to say no. Can you look that up? Yeah. Um, I feel like it's not, but I don't know. Um, I'll keep going. So the next one is Art- Artemisa Lufkin. And so 1798 to 1811, she was the first female minister for magic. And she established the Department of International Magical Cooperation and lobbied hard and successfully to have a Quidditch World Cup tournament held in Britain during her term. So I we stand, stand. A, a sporty <laughs> a sporty woman. <laughs> we stand. Um, Diggory was not part of the Sacred 28. Sweet. Good instincts on our part. Yeah. Um, I also really like that name. Artemisia. Ar- Artemisia. 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 It's like Artemis, but with E at the end. Add a little flair. <laughs> so then we have Radolphus, because isn't Rodolphus with an O? Yeah. So this is Radolphus, Lestrange. <laughs> um, so obviously has to be related to Rodolphus Lestrange and all the other <laughs> Lestranges that we know. Um, and he served from 1835 to 1841 and was a reactionary who attempted to close down the Department of Mysteries, which the Department of Mysteries just ignored him. (laughs) Um, And he eventually resigned due to ill health, which was widely rumored to be uh, the inability to cope with the strains of the office. So Mm. then we have uh, Ferris, quote, Spouthole Spaven, who served from 1865 to 1903. It's insane. Many, many years. Um, he was the longest ever serving minister and was also the most long-winded. And he survived <laughs> an assassination attempt, which was just a kicking, from a centaur who resented the punchline of his infamous a centaur, a ghost, and a dwarf walk into a bar joke. Um, he attended Queen Victoria's funeral in an admiral's hat and spats, at which point the Wizengamot suggested gently that it was time he move aside. And he was 147 when he left office. What are spats? Isn't it? Wait, I don't know if I'm right. <laughs> oh. These things? Oh, they're Is like... Is it the shoe or the anklet thing? I don't know. I think it's the anklet thing. Yeah. It's like those white anklets that, like, that cover your wear boot. over black yeah. shoes. All right. Okay. What was the other thing he Admiral's hat. I feel like, what's, when did Queen Victoria die? It had to have been in, like, the late 1800s, Yeah. Right? I feel like, were spats that uncommon? <laughs> I think it might be that. Yeah. I think he probably stood out, though. Yeah, probably. Which was the problem. Okay, then we have Hector Foley, who served from 1925 to 39. And was undoubtedly voted in because of his marked difference to McLaird, who was the person who came before, who I ignored. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Foley was, uh, did not take sufficiently seriously the threat presented to the world wizarding community by Gellert Grindelwald. 
and he paid with his job. So that was... Um, oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that's why I included that one, because it's like the um, uh, corresponding <laughs> yeah. character to Fudge. Um, so then we have Nobby Leach, who, pay, who uh, served from 1962 to 68, and was the first Muggle-born Minister for Magic, and his appointment caused consternation about among the old pureblood guard, many of whom resigned government posts in protest, and he always denied having anything to do with England's <laughs> 1966 World Cup win, which obviously occurred during the middle of his term, and left office after contracting a mysterious illness. Conspiracy theories abound. I love a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, I love how um, it tied in with England's World Cup win. Yeah. Um, and then Millicent Bagnold, 1980 to 1990, um, who we said served at the same time as Margaret Thatcher. Um, so she was a highly able minister and had to answer to the International Confederation of Wizards for the number of breaches of the International Statute of Secrecy on the day oh. and night following Harry Potter's survival of Lord Voldemort's attack. She acquitted herself magnificently magnificently with the now infamous words i assert our inalienable right to party which drew cheers from all present <laughs> so sounds like a cool lady yeah and then sounds much cooler than her <laughs> muggle counterpart <laughs> skipping over the ones we see in the series i then included um kingsley shackable 1998 to present um, and it says he oversaw the capture of Death Eaters and Voldemort supporters following the death of Lord Voldemort. He initially was named as caretaker minister, um, and then was subsequently elected to office. Hi, my name is Larry, and I'm a Slytherin. My name is Justin, and I'm a Slytherin. And together we host the Here's Johnny podcast, where we take a look at horror movies, TV shows... Oh, and games. We also have had amazing guests on the show that are directors, producers... And don't forget writers, Twitch streamers, and other podcasters. Yeah, and you can also check out our show every Monday. Just search Here's Johnny podcast in your podcast app of choice. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Here's Johnny Cast. We are sure you will find an episode you will love. Maybe just like Ollivander's wands, an episode will pick you. Okay, so for our pop quiz question, we forgot to post it on Facebook, so <laughs> sorry about that. Maybe we'll post it um, on like Instagram when this episode goes live. It's a very um, inciting question, I guess. <laughs> um, I just wanted I don't like I don't really care about any of your opinions on this question. I just wanted to cause discussion and fights. So. Um, do we believe that Hermione Granger would have, should have, whatever was, is prime minister or minister for magic? Um, so I was going to let you do this before you said that you didn't care about anyone's opinion, but (laughs) I'm going to let you answer first, which is, I don't think I ever have done that, so... Would you like to answer the pop quiz question before me? Because I don't want to steal your thunder. So, if you don't know the background of this question, she is known to be the Minister for Magic in Cursed Child. She's 
not listed on any official like canon minister list though so that list as i just pointed out kingsley shackable 1998 to present to present yeah so the list that audrey used which is pogmore now wizarding world information she's not listed as prime minister in that list which makes me not only do i reject cursed child from canon the fact that she's not listed on like the official minister list and kingsley shackable is still present to present i refuse to believe that she's a minister for magic just based on like the canonicity canonicity (laughs) canonicity of it but i also really dislike the idea of her becoming minister for magic not because i don't think she'd be a good do a good job not because i don't think that like she deserves to be minister for magic um i just like i don't think that she has those characteristics that we were talking about when it comes to being a politician um and i just like i think that she would recognize that she could get more done not being the minister for magic and there is even that like quote that it happens in seven i think maybe it's either six or seven where like rufus scrimjar is like you would be a great like politician or you would be you would work great in like magical law enforcement and she's like no like i could do i actually am a good person what is it it's like um she expresses disdain for politics yes yeah she's based she says something along the lines of like no i like have respect for myself or something like that or like i know i could do more elsewhere shoot i started that sentence so confident i was going to be able to just whip out what it was she says something like i have like bigger ambitions for myself or something yeah oh hang on scrimjar asks are you planning a to follow career in magical law and she said no i'm not i'm hoping to do some good in the world yeah so i think that if we talk about fudge being grayly moral i think that hermione is like too moral to become a politician yeah i uh i don't I don't really care about the whole cursed child thing. Like, I don't think of it as canon, but, like, I don't really care about that angle of this debate. I care about, like, yeah, Hermione's character and the fact that, like, it seems out of character for her to become minister based on, like, that quote and, like, just, like, her disdain for politics and, like, especially having seen what Harry went through, we know, we must know so much more than just what that quote says, but, like, of how she must feel about bureaucracy and the ministry and everything and i think also it seems in the context of like it being made up like plot point or character trait or whatever in cursed child it's like it feels so like like such a gimme like in the sense that like you know how like when you have like superlatives in middle school or high school and they're (laughs) like they just vote like most likely to come become president is just like the smart kid whereas like i don't think that the smartest people in our this i don't think that our presidents are an accurate representation of the smartest people who have like lived in this country and i'm not just saying that because of like the most recent president i'm saying that just because like i think that like politics like i think 
And this is maybe why I kind of cringed when, like, earlier you said, like, presumably Fudge would have to be smart to, like, you know, about him being a I think that, like, well-educated. Politicians are normally well-educated. They're well-educated, but, like, you don't, like, I don't think the defining trait of a politician is that you're smart. And I think, obviously, many politicians and many of our presidents have been very smart people and very well-educated people um, who, like, understand the law and, um, you know whatever um but i think that just being like oh hermione's smart like she must to like become minister for magic like i feel like it's just like it's this weird like emphasis that like i know we as americans and i assume that like other cultures do this as well as like placing this like weird emphasis and like uh like hierarchy and that like if you're smart you have to be like president you have to be like the leader whereas like i feel like that's not what I don't know, being smart isn't, like, the defining trait to, like, becoming a world leader. Yeah, I think it, like, um, it goes back to, like, she's the brightest witch of her age yeah. thing. So it's kind of this, like, well, she was voted most likely to succeed, and, like, our readers love her, and if she does anything else but succeed, like, like yeah. they'll riot. And, you like, know? success equals minister. Yes. Like, not that yeah. she could do something else that's, like, way more impactful and takes yeah. way more skill. Yeah, I think that that was kind of like the angle that yeah. I don't even know who the writers of Cursed Child are, that the writers of Cursed Child were taking and like, um, oh, I can see it on my bookshelf right now. Um, I didn't even bring it with John me. <laughs> Tiffany? This is me reading from afar and their, their <laughs> font is smaller than JK. So it, I think it's Jack Thorne and John Oh yeah, Tiffany. Jack Thorne definitely sounds right. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like there was this little bit of, like, if Hermione is not, like, the Minister for Magic, like, we will have let her down and let the fans yeah. down, you know? And Whereas, I don't like, think that's true. you let us down by making her the Minister <laughs> Well, you let us down in general with Cursed Child, so whatever Hermione's profession was, I think should have been the least of your worries. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I'll try to... um. I want to post that when the episode goes live on our Instagram and get some, get some takes. Yeah. And we'll put, I'll post it on the Facebook too. Um, so Katie mentioned this at the top of the episode, but just make sure here's your reminder after you've listened to how great we are, um, go give us a rating and a review on Apple podcasts. And if you want to help us get to 50,000 downloads, you can download our episodes coming out every other Tuesday. Yeah, listen to some old ones. Yeah. If you're joining us now, we have some great gems in our <laughs> library. Okay. Oh my gosh, I feel like we have not talked about a favorite episode in a long time. I feel like we did, like, when we celebrated two years. Did we? Yeah. Oh, we did, we did. That feels like it was forever ago. Anyways, um... You can follow us on social media. We are Wizard Studies Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Wizard Studies on Twitter. You can join our Facebook group if you want to be in on pop quiz discussions most of the time. Our <laughs> Facebook group is Wizard Studies Podcast group on Facebook. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. I believe. It's either Wizard Studies or Wizard Studies Podcast. If 
that doesn't get you there, you can always just go to patreon.com and then search in the search bar for us. And you can email us at wizardsizepodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot.